authenticity is another word I would use. We have to be authentic, true to ourselves, and treat each other the way each of us would like to be treated. You know, there's a real collegiality in Unpost. Yes, there's 10,000 people, but there's a real sense of collegiality. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe, and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits, and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine, and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. Welcome to In the Doctor's Chair today, where I continue conversations with CEOs about leadership, organizational health and well-being, while tapping into the future of work as we navigate the return to the office, now living with COVID-19. David McRedmond, CEO of Unpost, the Irish National Postal Service, joins me today. David was appointed Chief Executive of Unpost in October 2016. Previously, he was CEO of TV3, where he transformed the company into a major Irish broadcaster culminating with its sale to Liberty Global in December 2015. Prior to TV3, David was the commercial director of Aircom and the managing director of Aircom Enterprises. His early career was as a retail industry executive in the UK and US, where he held senior roles such as operations director of Waterstones, managing director of WH Smith Travel Retail and CEO of WH Smith Inc. Welcome, David. If you're a leader who recognizes, particularly since COVID-19, that living with vitality and building a more resilient mind matter now more than ever for you and your team, then this podcast is for you. For further details, visit drmarkrow.com. So I'm delighted to be joined by David McRedmond today in the doctor's chair. David, in terms of on post, how have the last you know, 17 months or so been in terms of the COVID pandemic and particularly in terms of how you lead out in terms of Unpost? So I think, look, it's been obviously like for anybody on the globe, I was going to say in the country, but on the globe, it's been the most extraordinary time of our lives. Work-wise, you know, in Unpost, it's been, been a really interesting period and actually in many ways a hugely fulfilling period because Unpost had for many years been seen as a company that was slightly in decline, becoming a little less relevant as, as people were using email instead of letters, not sending letters. And so people would sometimes just see Unpost in the background. But we've done a lot of work before, you know, in a couple of years before, really around our purpose. And we were very clear about our purpose, that our purpose is to act for the common good now and for generations to come. And that was our state of purpose. But when the pandemic came, that suddenly became very real. And all of our decisions and all of our choices were about acting for the common good. So there was a real clarity around what we wanted to achieve. Um, and I think that helped us. But the other thing that helped us was quite simply people needed on post. Because when we were in lockdown, 
Um, any item you needed that was not available in a supermarket or a grocery store, any item you needed had to be delivered. And most of that was delivered by Ampost. So we became that really essential service. And if we combined that with our purpose to act for the common good, I think we felt there was a real opportunity for us to make our own contribution to society. Now, it's not remotely in the realms of the contribution that health workers have made who, who put their lives on the line, who took risks and are the real heroes of the pandemic. But I'm very proud of our own front lines and on post, both our, our delivery front line, the postmen and postwomen, and our post office front line. And, you know, in terms of postal services, I think we're probably the only one in Europe that kept 99% of our routes delivered every day and, and 99% of our post offices open every working day. So, you know, so, so that was the pandemic. And, and in that sense, it was good. In another sense, it was, of course, the same difficulties that everybody had, fears, the worries, the getting used to working from home, to getting used to, now remember, most of our staff worked every day and actually worked from a place of work. But, you know, for the thousand people in the centre, they were at home and everybody was having to get used to different ways of working. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, during the height of the pandemic, one of the friendliest faces that we met regularly was was our local postman, you know, delivering to us consistently uh, in all weathers. And I really believe that, that the local postman and the local post office, they do such a fantastic job and provide such a great service in communities up and down the country. And of course, you know, that doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, their health and well-being is obviously very, very important. Is that something you are prioritizing in on post, David, and what are your views on on health and well-being for your people? Sure. I mean, I, I would come first from, you know, what is our approach to work? So our approach as a company, when I say, you know, we're here to, to act for the common good now and for generations to come, that's all about a sustainability agenda. You know, and we're coming up to COP26 and climate action is, is the big issue of the day. But Climate action is just one element of sustainability. The other elements are some of the sustainable goals that we very proactively promoted, um, such as sustainable communities, but also very critically for us, decent work. So decent work is one of the sustainable goals. And for us, decent work is that people could have a kind of a good job, can have a reasonable income, a fair income, uh, that they can have pensions, that they can have sick leave, that they can and rely on the company to be a good employer and that they can be professional and trained. And, and we're very proud of that. And I think it's a really important mark for years to come. You can't have sustainable communities built on gig economy, you know, where people are uncertain of their, not just mm. their future, they're uncertain of tomorrow. So that's at the core of what we do. When something like a pandemic comes, of course, what gets highlighted is the most, most basic of those needs of decent work, which is a safe and healthy workplace and the well-being of, of our employees. So we work very, very closely with our unions and with the whole group of unions, and particularly the CWU, who will be the largest union. Uh, we worked with them and to develop a whole range of measures, you know, from the most basic things around whatever protective equipment is required. And we spent, you know, that cost us probably 12 million last year, right through to then, well, what about well-being? What about well-being for those who are at home? What about well-being for those who are on the road? What about mental health? And, and we put in place a whole range of measures. You know, on the one hand, 
the measures are all about how you work, which is making sure there's good communication. So, you know, making sure everybody has laptops or one of the things we put in place a couple of years before the pandemic is our app which meant everybody on a mobile, uh, on a smartphone, can uh, go into post people or post people, as we call it, and get all the latest news and all the information. And to, to have that good communication is really important. To make sure you have regular team meetings is really important. To make sure you check in is important. But then we go much deeper into the whole area of well-being and we put in place a range of measures there too. That's fantastic. And of course, communication is so is so pivotal for building trust. I mean, trust is a word that many other people in the doctor's chair have spoken about in this leadership series recently. And I suppose that really all comes back to culture, David, doesn't it? And trust is at the heart of impost because you know, we turn up at your doorstep every day. You've got to trust the person who does that. When you go into post offices and if you're doing a financial transaction, you've got to trust them. So trust is is really vital to us. I think authenticity is another word I would use. We have to be authentic, true to ourselves and treat each other the way each of us would like to be treated. You know, there's a real collegiality in Unpost. Yes, there's 10,000 people. But there's a real sense of collegiality and making sure that we look out. And one of the amazing things about a job such as a postman's job is on their route, they know everybody. They know the elderly. They know the vulnerable. They know the people who need to be looked after. And all we had to do as a company was to codify some of that. So, for example, we set up a website where, as a customer, you could register and say, well, listen, I'm concerned about my parents in in a tie. And we'd go, don't. Okay, you put their name in there and the postman will check in once a week. Those were examples of things we did for the community. But that put all the more pressure for us to do those things internally in the company. So, you know, we have a very strong COVID committee. and That COVID committee uh, meets very regularly and is cross-functional. And, and in all the things that good companies have done, we did all of those things. But we also made sure that, you know, we put in place well-being programs. We put in place particularly, you know... We've a great studio which has fitness classes on it, has health classes. Each month we do a different topic. It could be cancer one month, it could be heart the next month. And and really ways of making sure that we're capturing everybody in our workforce and all the issues they have. I really like that idea that, that you're really redefining the scope and role of the post office and the postman or postwoman, as it were, to include a sort of your bigger contribution to society. I think that's fantastic. I love what you said there, treat others as you'd like to be treated. I mean, that's the essence of the age old golden rule going back through centuries for civilizations. And it's something I speak about a lot, um, you know, by treating people people as you'd like to be treated, keeping your word, keeping your commitments, knowing that values and actions speak louder than words, that it is all about authenticity, as you said, seeking that wider sense of, of purpose and contribution. And of course, I can't let it go without mentioning, of course, the the beautiful golden post box uh, after Kelly Harrington won uh, in the Olympics uh, earlier in the summer. Yeah, look, there, there are touches which we can do. And you know what? That's all about people being in touch with the community and know, knowing what matters. And maybe a sense of, of uh, you know, which maybe we have improved in, a sense of agility and um, that ideas don't need to go through committees or things. If somebody's got a good idea, go ahead and do it. And a, l- a little bit of spontaneity, those things really matter and really encourage them. In many ways, the job that I've had to do is just to clear away all of the uh, bureaucracy and all of the, the the things that get in the way 
of the front lines been able to do their jobs? Because we know that if we let the front lines do their jobs the way they want them to do their jobs, that actually we can provide an extraordinary public service. And that's in a sense, in many ways, that was easier in a pandemic. And that, that you know, you, you focus more on the immediacy and what people, what you can do and what needs to be done. It, it's an interesting thing. I mean, psychologically, the mindset changed. I think, you know, I look at the fantastic job that the government did with the vaccine program, you know, and, and I might have been at the start of that a bit concerned and critical. Are we behind? Were we behind the UK or something? But by sticking to it and by developing a cohesion across the country that was delivered. And, um, you know, but in our own way, a, an example of something that I think was really important, that just sounds relatively trivial, but was at the start of the pandemic, at the start of the first lockdown, we delivered free postcards to every home, two free postcards. So people, you know, grandchildren could write to grandparents or, you know, lovers to each other, whoever couldn't meet could be in touch. And, and there was something beautiful about getting something uh, written and uh, something delivered. And I think that provided a sense of cohesion, that we're in this, we are in this together, we can connect with each other, we can be in touch with each other using maybe methods we hadn't used for years. And so that was pretty important, I think, in, in terms of that whole psychology of social cohesion. Mm, I think it's brilliant because we are social creatures and we thrive based on our human connections and relationships and of course we couldn't be together physically during that time but of course using postcards and using other forms of communication a great way to do it what motivates and drives you david you know i think i'm a journeyman i've run different companies in different sectors in different countries i got hired to come in and you know so the main thing i want to do is a good job and i want to earn a decent salary and those those all those basic things but Ultimately, nothing motivates me as much as the energy you get from customers really appreciating what you're doing. And I think that appreciation has to be about relevance. It's a term I keep coming back to. You know, there was a great phrase in business. I, I, I think it was Jack Welch or somebody from GE who said, you know, if the outside world is changing faster than the world inside your company, you're becoming irrelevant. So relevance to me really motivates me. Can, 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 can the company I run be relevant? Can, can I personally be relevant? That's an extraordinary human motivation. It's, it's almost a survival motivation. And, and that, that really matters. So I think whenever I see I'm pussed, being important or being relevant, that gives me a greater thrill than anything else, because I know then that we really are adding value. We, it really does matter what we do. And how do you stay relevant, David, yourself? I mean, what, what are the, the strategies you have in terms of your own reading and learning to really stay on the, on, on the, on the cusp of the, of the wave, as it were? Well, I, you know, I think, Mark, I think to put, actually you use a very good word there. I think reading, you know, I, I started my first job as in a bookstore. I'm mad about books. We sponsor the Unpost Irish Book Awards. But reading is massively important. I'm a morning person and I get up early in the morning and I spend the first two hours of every day reading. Usually, you know, I read newspapers, typically online. I'll always read a, at least a couple of newspapers, two or three. I tend to, you know, follow certain websites, I'll see what's what's going on in the world. And then I usually, I, I always have so, some book, whether it be fiction or history or whatever, 
because books which are written now, it's, it's funny, it can be a history book, and you're going, well, what's the relevance of that to now? It's the fact it's written now that it gives you a sense or can make you kind of question where we are in the world or what's happening. Or it can be fiction, it can be a great novel. And if it's written now, it's reflecting really views that are out there in, in the zeitgeist. And I, I, I think that, but that to me is the only advice I give to grads we have a graduate program and in fact i was just with them this morning and it was that bit of advice i said just make sure make sure you're really in touch with what's going on in the outside world and socialize listen talk with people i mean one of the most difficult things in lockdown was not seeing people you know and since we've come out of lockdown i've been determined um to wherever safely i can to meet people for breakfast lunch dinner to get out to get out into the world to understand how people are feeling and what's going on. And that gives you, you know, you can pretty quickly pick up then what the great trends are and what the big trends are. And I think that's a vital, I think that's a vital job of of leadership in whatever role you're in. Yeah, there's a lovely saying that reading is to the mind as exercise is to the body. I think it is so good to keep strengthening your your neural connections and keep keep learning. Never, As I say, never stop learning, never stop growing, never stop starting. David, burnout is something I, I talk about a lot in terms, particularly in terms of burnout prevention. Uh, I think it's so important. What do you think we can do to, to minimize and, and prevent burnout? I think it is a massive issue. I mean, we're looking at a period now where we've got what people term the great resignation, that people are giving up work um, because I think they've discovered other things in their lives. They've discovered things that matter more to them, whether it be family or whether it be home or whether it be the environment. There's a question as to how sustainable it is because people will run out of money and will run out of savings. But it does tell us an awful lot about whether work is rewarding or not. And it looks as if work is unrewarding for an awful lot of people. And I think that is a massive issue and we have to really question why. And so societally, we need to question why. At an individual level, burnout is something where I operate very simple strategies. I don't work at the weekends. I spent a good few years of my life commuting between Dublin and London and then actually between London and the United States. And I learned while I'm working all the hours I can during the week, well, then just don't don't bring stuff with you at the weekend. Take the weekend off. That, that, that's an amazingly simple technique. It's not always possible for people, but I think it's more possible for people than they think. You get into the discipline. Very important to have those discipline times. I mean, I think exercise uh, is hugely important. Um, I don't look like it, but I run about four times a week and I try to uh, I try to stay fit and get out into the fresh air. And I, I, I try to go swimming most weekends in the sea. So, you know, there are simple things that keep you in touch with with yourself a bit more. I think it's absolutely vital. However extrovert somebody is, we all need time on our own every day. And actually, probably the corollary is true as well. However introverted you are, we probably all need time with people every day. We need to see people and we need to be on our own. And I think they're, they're very simple things that I think help you avoid burnout. But maybe the other thing in reality is maybe people need to change jobs more often. Maybe people need that new stimulus. And maybe that's what we're seeing. Maybe that's why there's a great resignation. People want to find something else. 
But I think for any of us who are in businesses and are running businesses, I think we need ourselves to question, why is it that people are not satisfied at work? What is it that we're doing that's that's making, or what is it we're not doing that means work is not satisfied? I think you've made three excellent points there, David. Firstly, you know, that it's about that inner sense of purpose and knowing your why and having that sense of purpose is a great protective element, I think, against burnout. Secondly, that, you know, the quality of our effort is always related to the quality of our recharge and we need more rest and recharge. And as you said, valuing periods of silence and solitude and reflection as well as valuing human connection is a great way to recharge from the busyness of your day. And thirdly, to never stop asking, you know, why, why you do what you do and to really, really connect who you are with, with what you do on a day-to-day basis. David, who do you most admire in business and in life and why? Well, Look, I I hugely admire my original mentor and uh, the person who taught me most about business, about adulthood in many ways, my uh, uh, Tim Waterstone, who was the founder of Waterstone's bookstores and who I worked very closely with as we built that chain. And Tim Waterstone, an extraordinary entrepreneur, but he was somebody who brought such great and he's retired now, but brought such great humanity to his work and really and, and he believed so strongly in the nobility of work. He believed that people who worked in bookstores, booksellers, he believed that this is a really noble profession. This isn't, you know, so the notion that you could dismiss anybody as saying, oh, well, that's, they're just working in a bookstore would be horrific. to. And I thought that was an extraordinary thing. And it's something that I hope has stuck with me. And I hope is something that I believe wherever we are in the nobility of work, it's a great thing. And it's a great contributions that people make. So I think he was, he was the person who probably I've, I've admired most, I've learned most from in my career. I love that concept, you know, the the nobility of work and the nobility of working in a bookstore, because in essence, purpose, you know, it's not about what you do or what your position is in an organization. It's about that sense of contribution and service that you feel, that sense of inner contribution. And it's really interesting, you know, research on purpose internationally has found that, you know, in a hospital context, the the cleaner um, and the porter may have as much of of a sense of purpose or more than the uh, person doing neurosurgery up in theater, because the person doing neurosurgery may just see their job as a job, whereas the hospital cleaner might see that they are helping to keep their environment safer for other people. And it's a great truth. I always try to advise people in careers and in business, don't worry about the job, worry about the company. Is it a Mm. good company? Um, if it's a good company, you'll find the right job for yourself. You'll find the right place. And maybe what you're describing is something which is, you know, quite an old-fashioned concept, the nature of a corporate body, of, of, of a company, that it is about the company. It is about um, the whole being greater than the sum of the part. But, you know, we all play our part to deliver that. And, you know, certainly that's what I felt in Unpust, that, you know, I felt very proud being driven along by our frontline workers. And indeed, but in the same way as you described, cleaner, you know, I described the people in our processing centers and I described our cleaners and uh, our security staff and our executives and, you know, everybody 
felt during the pandemic, everybody felt that they were making a contribution to to delivering something, to delivering an essential public service. So it's a very interesting point. I think it is, you're right, it is, it, it is more about that overall sense of purpose than it is about the specific uh, title you have or tasks that you're assigned. If you were looking back, David, at a younger version of you, say your 22-year-old self, what advice might you give him? I've been blessed with a varied, interesting and, and fun career. And so a lot of what I would say would be, you know, keep going the way I went. And and in particular, and, and I would say this to people, I think in your 20s, it's quite important to be spontaneous mm-hmm. and don't don't get too fixed on a career path or a career ladder. I think it's quite important to really feel your way through the world and understand your way through the world. I think in your 30s, it gets more complex work. That's when careers really form and and how you do things. But I hate the idea of people in their 20s being too focused on their career because I think we need the creativity and spontaneity that people in the 20s can bring and the energy that that brings. So, you know, I'd certainly say I, I would have said maintain that. Look, there were things in my career sometimes I wish maybe, you know, I wish I'd gone here or gone there. But by and large, I don't I don't have any regrets through that. I think the whole issue of relevance is something that I could have done from an earlier stage and really read more widely. I mean, by that, I mean current affairs, understand what's happening, know that better. Maybe I studied more uh, formally economics. You know, I I did my business training later, but maybe at that stage I've done something. So there are certain other things I could have done. But essentially, I'd say that, no, do the same thing. Be spontaneous. You know, taste the world, test the world, test yourself. I think they're the essential things for the younger self to do. Brilliant. What's the best lesson you've ever learned so far, David? I think the best lesson, and I've learned it several times from several people, and I'm not always very good at it, is to be optimistic. You know, it's an essential trait in this world. Be optimistic. It sounds so obvious. My uh, last chief of staff gave me, a, a, when she was leaving, she gave me a, a, a print of you know, the glass half full. And it sounds a cliche. It sounds cliche to be optimistic. It's hard and it can be a struggle at times, but it's so, so worth it because, you know, the world is full of goodness. It's full of uh, potential, full of opportunities that even in the middle of a pandemic, which shut down the country, shut down half the globe, which um, stopped us all traveling, stopped us from meeting each other with having to be within two kilometers of your home at one stage. There were still fantastic things to see and do. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm very lucky because I live by the sea, so I could walk down to the seafront. But you could walk to a local park and you could enjoy the park. You could enjoy maybe cooking again more often or being with your family and spending time at different times of the day, you know. So Optimism is an essential trait. I think you see it in in really great leaders. They they tend to be people who are optimistic. I couldn't agree with you more. And and you know, optimism is it's a key constituent of well being, in my opinion. And uh, I talk about realistic optimism. Uh, it's not blind or delusional, but it's it's understanding that things can get better through the power of your own efforts. And of course, optimism is, it's so good for your health. It's so good for your heart health. It's so good for your mental health. It's so good for your overall well-being. And 
You also hit on a very important topic that I like to talk about as well, called gratitude, being grateful for the small things, even in the height of lockdown, David, you mentioned there being grateful for being able to go down to the sea, uh, c- connect with nature. Uh, the, the simple things can really make such a big difference. And we're learning that as we come out, as you know, as we come out of this pandemic and when we came out of lockdown, the, you know, that wonderful thing of being able to meet friends again. For the first time I came into town, first time going out in the evening, I came into the centre of Dublin uh, last weekend and, and had a wonderful time uh, with my wife and a friend. And we had a really, it felt like Christmas, you know, it was lovely. It was a lovely atmosphere and lovely evening and actually eating outside. And, you know, that was the, the last night of, of summer, uh, summertime um, for, for the hour went back. Grab those moments. Gosh, you got to seize those moments, you know. And, and yeah, so gratitude, I think, is something, again, as, as maybe we get older, is something we realize more is is more important. And, you know, it's been a big thing. And on POST, one of the big things that our chief people officer has driven is that sense of saying thank you, you know. And it's, it's you know, when we talk about values, rather than us talking about big lofty things like, like honesty or, or integrity or things like that, actually, you know, a value we want is to say thank you. And saying thank you to each other really matters. Uh, and I think it's been a fantastic initiative. And I know... I know it's made differences to people's daily work. So when I come back to that idea of why is there the great resignation in society? Why are people not at work? Maybe maybe one of the reasons is nobody's thanking them. You know, are we thanking people who come clean the offices? Are we thanking people who look after? Are we thanking people enough? And maybe that's something that I certainly am very, very well aware that I haven't, you know. And so the fact I have to be reminded is a bit sad by our chief people officer but for that to be an initiative throughout the organization i think is fantastic so so i think gratitude works in in two ways one us being grateful ourselves for for as you say the, some of the small things and but also taking gratitude uh, taking thanks from other people that's really important too to take that not to shrug it off um so yeah i, I think i think you're right i think those, those are those are the things that can help us through some of the tougher times. David, what would be three take-homes for a resilient mind that you might share with our listeners? Look after yourself. That take, you know, make sure you have that time alone. Make sure you have that time with people. And simple techniques, as I say, you know, take the make sure you're not working at weekends. Make sure people know you're not working at weekends. And if your work allows that, whatever the time is, and you know, have time on your own and also critically have time with other people and even as somebody who's quite extroverted I have to force myself I had to force myself yesterday to go to an event and it was awkward to get to and difficult but actually it was so worth it so I would say that's the first takeaway is is look after yourself by doing those things being with people and being on your own and the second one you know I think it's important to be aware of the outside world it makes our issues seem a bit smaller if we are it makes uh, it's that issue of relevance we find our own relevance if we look around and read and listen and I think that's a very important part that you know if we leave our mind up to our mind it can be quite destructive um, you know, I always find that the best way to go to sleep, if your mind is troubled at work or, or with an issue, you know, reading reading fiction or reading history or something, that can 
absolutely switch your mind into a different state. So, so I think that whole issue of relevance, contact with, with the world in that way, in, 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 in a particularly true reading. And then the third one, which is a much more intangible and one where maybe you have to ask people around you to help you and to remind you is to be optimistic. See the glass as at least half full. There are opportunities. The crises do pass. They do go away. And sometimes they can take years, but they still go away. And, you you know, as humans, we've extraordinary ability to get through them. So I'd say that those are the three areas. Fantastic. And, and finally, David, for you, what's the meaning of life? Gosh, I went to a Jesuit school where they always say, you know, the idea is to be a person for others. And maybe our, the meaning of our life is to try and do that. And we all fail. Um, I fail dramatically a lot of the time. But I think, you know, we, we all have an element of public service in us. And I think that really matters. And it's a bit like when we talk about roles and saying it's not the role, it's the company. You know, in the end, it's humanity. It's what part we play in it. And, and that sense of the greater good. I think that's, that's the closest I could get to it. Well, David, it's been wonderful having you in the doctor's chair. I want to express my thanks to you. Please keep leading, keep learning, keep sharing your optimistic spirit, your sense of tasting, testing the world, testing yourself and that greater sense of purpose, service and contribution. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to my podcast in the doctor's chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.